0: this time to do this episode differently than the prior two. And although there are only three official episodes in creation, uh, the run is not that long to be at a point where I wanted to not slow things down, but to personalize them a bit. I am not a historian. I don't have a degree in politics or public policy. I'm an artist. Um, I like to draw comic books, cartoons. I do a bit of writing, um, but primarily I'm an artist. I like creating things with my hands that I, uh, I make people smile, make people laugh, excite them. Give them a a sense of wonder. And I'm not an altogether person who likes to do a great deal of talking. Uh, I'm a listener by nature. Uh, I like to observe. I like to watch. I think that's uh, an aspect of being an artist the best artists that I'm aware of do more observation than they do anything else. And that observation informs your work. You, uh, look at a person to find out how their face contorts when they're happy and when they're sad and when they're excited or when they're angry. And that observation makes you a better an artist. Um, so at times in this podcast, the uh, the discourse will be, even though it's one-sided, it'll be a bit janky. I'm getting my legs about me. But that's not really the point of this particular podcast. This particular podcast is a way for uh, me to inform you who you might be listening to. You're listening to a guy who who because he's an artist, sees the world through a prism that I think might be different from most people. Not saying that all artists uh, look at the world that way. I haven't known every artist in existence to make that kind of assumption. I've known a few artists and I, I know enough of them to know that that kind of generalization is almost always inaccurate. But being an artist and looking at the world the way I do and seeing the things that happened this year, especially this year, uh, it has a tendency to put a damper on wanting to create. if you're an artist if you're if if you if you you love creating if your life gains additional meaning uh when you depending on the artist that you are if you're a sculptor a painter a cartoonist like myself you there's an aspect of your daily life that is involved in doing that creation and if you don't do it you feel somehow diminished or um, paused, and that kind of stillness doesn't really lend itself well to happiness. I'm only truly happy when I'm drawing. Um, That's not to say that I'm not happy around my family that, you know, it's There's an aspect of us separate from our families that is truly fulfilled with whatever we find uh, we're passionate about. So families are separate from the creative aspect of our lives in some ways. But when you're living through a time where your mortality is more in danger than it ever has been before. And it has been before. To be a black man, to be a person of color in the United States of America is in some ways to be an endangered species. You never know when that danger will be visited upon you in whatever form. This isn't hyperbole. It's not paranoia. It's not an over-dramatization of a a sense of dread that you really shouldn't feel, quote, end quote. It's true, existential dread, when you walk outside your door. Now, after living through stuff like that, for years and years and years, uh, it becomes an almost autonomic response. You hear a sudden sharp noise. You're automatically alerted to that noise. You become heightened, you tap into that fight or flee response, and that's how you live your life, tempering or modulating that response, depending on the situation. But this year, 2020, has, I think, every person of color on this planet finding difficulty modulating that response because not only does it seem to be happening more frequently, which that's probably just an impression, but it's a strong, effective impression nonetheless, that it seems to be happening more frequently than it ever has before in any time in history. But depending on who you are and depending on how old you are, your generational knowledge may be a bit limited, so saying it's the first time it's been like this in history may be, that may be an over traumatization so here I am right i'm I'm a guy who likes to draw cartoons um being faced with the inevitability that his life can be ended the moment he walks out his door. What do you do with that? For me, it created a sense of anger, um, a type of rage I've never felt before. Uh, I'm not the type of person who rages out, who takes his anger out on other people. I internalize a lot of things. And the internalization of constant existential dread dampens a desire to create. I wasn't drawing. I wasn't doing the one thing that I really, really loved to do because I felt I needed to do something to vent this pressure. And then COVID happened and you can't you protest you can't be next to somebody else. There are brave people out there who have done it, and I applaud them. They are my heroes. But I personally can't. I couldn't. So knowing that there's an outlet that I could use to, to vent this pressure and knowing that I can't tap into it just made it even worse. I never wanted to create a podcast. I liked them. Didn't listen to them all that frequently. I knew they existed. There were a few that I'd listened to. But I did not want to be that guy to have one. I felt that my my energies were better suited to drawing or creating a comic book or a comic strip or a drawing, something. But I couldn't draw. And I know that I can talk. And I know that I have certain views that are possibly shared by other people. So maybe rather than shouting out of the window into the darkness, I can create a podcast, shout it into the internet, see who responds. There's nothing worse than listening to someone rail and rail and rant and rant and unburden themselves at your expense when you would much rather be either eating a bowl of ramen, you know, watching your favorite television show, playing a video game on your phone or on a console uh, or, you know, getting poked in the eye is sometimes better than listening to somebody just rant so my goal was to share whatever knowledge I had, wrap it up in a story, and put it out there. Now, I didn't really have any intention of uh, targeting an audience. I just wanted to talk to people who feel like I do. Or if you don't feel like I do, maybe you share some of the same feelings I do about this country, that you love this country. You don't particularly love the systems that they put in place to govern this country, but you love the people in it, because the people in this country are what make this country. My next door neighbor makes this country. The guy who runs the store at the corner, he makes this country. My mom makes this country, my sister, my brother, my father. All my, all the people I love, I love in my family. They make this country. My friends make this country. People I follow on Instagram and Twitter, mostly on Instagram, because those people are dope. And Twitter too. There's some few. There are a few dope people on Twitter. But that's the thing. These are the people you know. You may not know them intimately, but they're not the people you know, and you know enough about them to follow them. And if you know enough about them to follow them, you pretty much know how they feel about certain things. And although 2020 has been that year where your friends list starts to get pared down because a lot of the things you thought about that person, how they felt their political views, how they feel about people who are different than they are, how they feel about people of color, marginalized people... You start to realize that, okay, maybe those people don't feel that way. So we've had to, because of this year, because of the pandemic of this year, we've had to reassess how we interact with those we care about, those we consider friends in the world. And my way of doing that in a time where I can't be in contact with people is to do this is to talk into a microphone and hope somebody listens to it and thinks, yeah, you know what, you're right. I feel that way too. So I'm gonna get a little personal. Um, This year has been a, a remarkable year in how to create in times of great stress. Um, it's been a year of finding joy in um, what are possibly really dark times. When the pandemic first hit, uh, I'm sure many of you probably experienced this. There was a run on toilet paper. And during that time, um, I'll, there was a great deal of commentary about why, in a, the time of a pandemic, the coming pandemic, because right at that point it hadn't really hit. Hit. Why are people hoarding toilet paper? <laughs> I mean, there's there's a reason why it, being being faced with with an existential threat. Um, your chief concern is how clean your butt is. I, I mean, I can understand that. I mean, there's certain situations that can elicit an involuntary defecation response. Understandable. I mean, that happens. It's happened to um, a good many. Not me. I don't I know what I know. But I've heard It happens. Because, you know, it's actually insane. It happens. So the at the beginning of the pandemic, there's a run on toilet paper and you know, that affected everybody. And I have I have wonderful friends and family um who hooked me up when I wasn't unable to hook myself up. But that was one of the one of the actual bright spots of the pandemic. There have been many too. Uh a lot of people learned how to make bread. A lot of bread making had been done during the early days of the pandemic. I personally um, had been making bread prior to that. So that wasn't a skill that I needed to acquire. I'd already be been well into it. However, there is a run on yeast. <laughs> now... There are a lot of things that I think a lot of us took for granted before the pandemic shortages. Um, And I think one of those was that there would always be enough toilet paper and that there would always be enough yeast and there would always be enough rubbing alcohol. And we found out that's not really the case. Rubbing alcohol went quicker than actual, like regular booze did. Right. And then the run on yeast. Yeast was was truly scarce. I started seeing articles online on how to grow natural yeast because yeast, as you may know, (laughs) is everywhere. And a few techniques can allow you to grow your own natural yeast It's because yeast is everywhere. But you got to accumulate enough to make a loaf of bread i also learned how to do sourdough uh yeast uh, sourdough starter from someone i follow on instagram so there's there have been bright spots right um people have been spending more time with their families people have learned you know learning how to cook more or better um one sad thing is that the comic book industry took a hit that uh, I think is still making a lot of comic book professionals shake their heads. Um, it's an industry that's been in need of change for a long time now, and I think that change might be happening because of what's gone on. And that's the thing there have been a lot of institutional changes out of necessity. That have been needed for some time now, but at this stage in our country and in our lives, it's imperative that we make them now. I wanted wanted to be a little more lighthearted in this episode. I wanted to show a bit more about who I am. Uh, because laughter is a very big part of my life and who I am. I love making my family laugh. I love making, making my daughter laugh. My mom laughs very heartily when she is really feeling the joke or feeling the humor, and I love that. There's a lot of joy that can be had in this time of great change and great uncertainty. We just need to look a bit harder for it, cling to the people we love for it, because in some cases, nobody makes us laugh harder than our family does. So if you got family, You know, hold them close. Make sure they make you laugh as much as possible. If you don't have family, make yourself a family. Because there are people out there who need you and you need them. You just got to find them. You know, find the right ones. Don't find the ones who, you know, own a white panel van that says free candy on the outside. Those people you really want to stay away from. Stay away from the guy who, you know, has cast around his arm is moving a big chair into a big van and asks you if you're a size 22 stay away from people like that but for the most part look for the good people you can find them they're out there do this periodically i don't know who's listening i'm not going to keep track uh i'm just going to assume people are it's arrogant i know but you know it's not arrogant it's just hopeful but uh thank you for listening uh my goal is to put one of these out every day until election day and then after election day um reassess I wanted to have a countdown to election day, but then it turned into something else and it turned into, you know, talking to a friend, brand new friend, just met you, you know what I mean? You know, having a cup of coffee together, maybe a snack, talking about TV, talking about comics, talking about movies. Lovecraft Country, by the way, probably some of the best thing I've seen in a long time. But it's really just that. It's really just trying to connect with someone. Whoever you may be. Apart from if you're my family, which I sort of default think they're going to listen to it. And if they do, that's great. And hi, y'all. Thanks for listening. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Um, I'm going to continue to do the best I can to add my voice to the chorus to offer my insight into the discourse of what this country could be and what it means to be a marginalized person, a person of color living in a country that for the most part doesn't really care about you. And even though we live in that particular or particularly odd situation, we still find it within ourselves to create joy. We still find it within ourselves to create art. Lovecraft Country came out during a pandemic. And as far as I know, it blew everybody away. I got my mom to watch it. And my mom doesn't like that kind of stuff. My mom, (laughs) my mom does not like the kind of stuff that Lovecraft Country is but she dug it because it was done so well and it was done well because people who were passionate about it got involved and created this thing this this nebula of wonder and history and generational pain but also this ancestral joy about who we are as Black Americans, a part of this tapestry or this, no, this mosaic that is the United States of America. So, we got eight days to make our voices heard, to to oust the mad king. But even if we do not get him out, we still have a responsibility to continue to be who we are, to continue to be these luminous beings who, through adversity and strife and persecution and anger and hatred, continue to thrive, to create, to nurture each other, that's our, I mean, that's, that's who we are. If you're a marginalized person, if you're a person of color, if you're, if you're a part of the LGBT community, community, sorry I messed that up, but if you're part of those communities, the indigenous community, I can't forget them, you've, you've grown up taking the very worst that life has to give you and turning it into something magnificent. My culture, African-American culture, you tell me one thing about consuming an animal from the tail to the snout and making it the most delicious thing you've ever put in your mouth. What about that isn't America? I'm not, not going to tell you the, the names of those dishes if cuz if you know them you know them. But if you don't know them you won't look at that you won't look at that meat the same way and verita- vegetarianism will look extraordinarily good to you. But just suffice it to say that we we as minority peoples have the deft ability to craft wonder from nothing. So whether Trump wins or he doesn't win, this country is still ours. We still have the ability to shape it to the way we want it to be. If they won't elect another black president, we'll make damn sure that the entire House and Senate is peopled with people of color. Indigenous people. LGBTQ community people, we will put them in office. That's our responsibility to not only ourselves, but to our children, to our children's children, to our culture. That's our responsibility. That's what we need to do. So these may be dark times. These may be dark days. But I'll be damned if I let somebody keep me from creating a better world for the people I love and care about. You've been listening to the Black and Brown Ghetto Underground. I hope to see you soon.